It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Tiger Talk with Pat Caputo and the radio voice of the Detroit Tigers, Dan Dickerson. Fly ball deep left field. On Tigers Radio 97.1, the ticket. Hey, 248-539-9797. Ticket tech, same number. Yeah, we're back. And actually, we're back doing our show like we normally have done it in the past. Last year, because of the lockout, Dan could talk about everything except for the Tigers. <laughs> Which uh, I was kind of an odd dynamic there for I a while. I just had restrictions on talking about anybody on the 40-man roster. Oh, that's, that's what it was. Yeah, anybody but the Tigers. You could talk about the flying Tigers. <laughs> yes, I could. But not about the regular Tigers. How you doing, Pat? It's I'm, good to be I'm back I'm in doing studio. well. It's just great to be back. And, you know, look, I know the Tiger season didn't go well last year. I know there's a lot of angst about, uh, you know, the offseason. Welcome the Tigers didn't get Carlos Correa. You know, stuff like hey, that. They still might. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> the doctors he's, like the. He's making it right yeah, now. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just been uh, you know a whirlwind. But I'll say this: it turns the first of the year. We come in here and do the show, and uh, my heart feels warm. And I'm not trying to be like you know Pollyannic or anything. But I just start thinking it's about fun baseball. To start thinking warm thoughts in January. The right. only thing that's missing is the usual snow that we get. Yeah, for one of the first two shows, maybe well, we'll get it next week. But it's, don't you know. don't 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 tempt it. <laughs> Usually, it is true we get the first big storm, but they came a little bit earlier this year. But but I'll say this, Dan, it's great to talk some baseball. I, we have people out there. The Tigers are their number one team, and it's a big swash of a uh, uh, swatch of people that love baseball and they love the Tigers. And it's great to be on today. And uh, to be talking about it, and uh, I'm sure I get this question a lot as uh, somebody who uh, started covering the Tigers a zillion years ago, Uh, but you're uh, somebody that's been their radio play-by-play voice uh, starting like a zillion years ago. You get the same question about the whole thing with Scott Harris is now the general manager and all that, and I'm sure people want to know, what what do you think, and and what do you think about uh, their offseason so far? I'm really, really impressed with Scott Harris. So I've been lucky enough to have two one-on-ones with him. One was in his office, that last homestand, and then we had a half-hour kind of nice Q&A before some prospective season ticket holders down at the Fox. Um, And he's just – I'm impressed with, I mean, the depth of his answers. I mean, what you saw at the press conference is is what he is really like. He's – He's very smart, obviously, but he he's not doesn't have to be the smartest guy in the room. He doesn't have to let you know how smart he is. And he's I think the thing that I, what struck me is this is a guy who wants to build something here in Detroit. Starts with the culture, and you know I'm sure people are like well that's a corporate buzzword, but no this is this is important to him because he saw what building a certain culture in Chicago did. That you want guys who want to come to this organization, you want guys who are going to come here to get better. 
knowing that that's what this organization stands for, have fun doing it, and have, as he's put it more than once, just kind of an insatiable desire to win. And then he talks, the way he's going about this to me is the most important thing. I mean, look at, there haven't been many splashy moves. I get that. But look at what he's, he's been very consistent, what he's talked about, rebuilding this offense. And think of what he inherited. And this is an organization that has gone through one of the worst five-year stretches in franchise history. They have averaged 99 losses a year for the last five years, the right. full seasons. All right, some things needed to be addressed. Obviously, <laughs> obviously. And you look at the offense. Worst walk rate, highest strikeout rate, highest chase rate, worst against the fastball. And no power. Over And no power for five years running. This is a structural problem. And he's talked about what he wants to build. Guys who understand the strike zone, I know fans have heard this, but this is not something that happens overnight. And he's talked about how this is going to take some time. In the meantime, address the things that need to be addressed, whether it's the new head trainer. May I just say a quick word about Doug Teeter, who was head trainer, has been reassigned to Florida. I love Dougie. I think he's done a great job. I think he had an absolutely thankless task these last few years. I think they just kind of felt they needed maybe a different voice. But Dougie worked tirelessly during that pandemic. And they, those, that entire training staff had a thankless job. Dougie is very good at what he does. And I'm very glad they kept him in the organization. But needed a new head trainer, new strength and conditioning staff, three new hitting coaches. And again, Scott Coolball knew what he was doing, and A.J. Hinch wanted to make that very clear, but sometimes you need a new voice. And then, as he's talked about, you're going to build with pitching and defense. That's the quickest way to turn around something that needs turning around to be more competitive. And I think fans are like, well, does this mean we're in another rebuild? And I, I like the way he's talking about it. We're trying to build the most competitive team for 2023. He's talking about winning, not about how many games we're going to lose or that this is a rebuild. Every move is made with something in mind to get incrementally better. And the reason I don't think we saw, I thought that there would be maybe a Michael Conforto or Mitch Hanniger added to the outfield. There still might be somebody along. And there still might be. And I still think it might come through a trade. Right. But the prices I think were just too hot. You look at the predictions for what these guys were going to get, which are usually pretty accurate on fan graphs when you look at, you know, crowdsourcing. Michael Conforto, the best guess was one year, 12 million. He got two for 36. Right, he's not. Mitch Hanniger was supposed to get maybe eight for 24, two for 20, three years, 43 million. I mean, those to me were logical additions to this lineup. So anyway, I just think he's accomplished a lot. I think they're they're going to build the, the rotation actually, I think with Lorenzen, who will be a guest on later on this hour. Yeah, well, Michael Lorenzen coming at seven forty five. Just think of every single move he's making. If it's not obvious why you want this guy, they have either identified they had to get more athletic. What did he call Michael Lorenzen? A double plus athlete, I think. He loves the athleticism of of a Michael Lorenzen. They know they can get more out of him. They think the guys that they have added, whether it's a Justin Henry Malloy or whether it's a Michael Lorenzen, they're going to get more out of these guys. And then they're, they're perusing their waiver wire, and that's what good, good GMs do, good presidents of baseball operations do. They, they scour the waiver wire to add people who can make your organization better. Well, I, I've talked about it quite a bit. First of all, the thing I would say, uh, the Boyd signing – 
you know, I saw a lot of things on social media. Oh, El Avila could have done that or whatever. It, it, Michael, uh, Matthew Boyd is not coming back here uh, because of uh, he's an ex-Tiger, except I think he liked playing here. Um, he's coming back for a distinct reason. Uh, he, he's healthy. You know, you say, why does he get twice as much money, basically? this Because one thing, the industry's obviously flush with money after the labor dispute, isn't it? Um, second of all, uh, his uh, health is better. Last year he had iffy health when he signed for $5.2 million, uh with Seattle. Uh, so in that circumstance, uh, and then when he got out and did pitch, uh, his spin rate was in the top six percentile. And he mentioned the athleticism. There are few pitchers who are better athletes than Michael, than Matthew Boyd. I don't want to keep calling him yeah. Matthew. Matthew Boyd, who, uh, you know, was a star hockey player as a youth and is very athletic, can repeat his motion. He didn't give up any home runs last year either. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if he has his best year this year, and it's a one-year deal. Uh, the other one on Lorenzen, a top 18 percentile in spin rate. Uh, at, at the 50 percentile, for all pitchers, a little bit better than uh, that for a starting pitcher. The guy throws consistently four-seam fastball at 94. Both of them spinning their spin rate, you know, since uh, the spider tack isn't there at uh, an elite level. So there's a possibility this uh, pitcher also kind of in that 31 for one year uh, could have, a, right. you know, his best year. He started 18 games last year. He had been a reliever mostly uh, before that. So uh, the idea is to get a guy who is uh, going to play for you at his best level, possibly, or at a high level now, not based on what he did in the past. So those two signings absolutely made sense to me. When I looked at the data on it, uh, not so much the metrics, but the data, and knowing uh, Matthew Boyd as well as we know him. And uh, the thing is, both of them are veteran uh, pitchers who will help You know, the Matt Mannings and some of these other guys that have gone through different And Boyd things. can certainly, I mean, directly help Tarek Skubal coming back from the same surgery right? that Matthew Boyd had. A, and plus, both of them prove they can pitch in the pen if you need them. Right. You, all the young pitchers, and many will contribute this year. Bo Brisky, to me, is at, at the top of that list. I think Garrett Hill's going to be a nice swing well, Bo man. Bo Brisky's got the electric arm. He really I know Hill misses some impressive. bats, but he's, Bo Brisky's got an electric arm. Anyone that you mention, whether it's Alex Faedo, Garrett Hill, Bo Brisky, Wilmer Flores, if you want to go down, Reese Olsen down the line, all of those guys are going to have innings limits. You have to build as many starters as you can and build a rotation that has guys who can soak up some innings. Spencer Turnbull's going to have some kind of innings limits, you would think. Um, that's going to be a tough one to figure out. But I, I don't think it's going to be kind of that rigid 25 to 30% that we've often seen for young pitchers. In terms of an increase year over year, I think it's going to be much more individualized approach. And a guy who threw 90 last year might go to 150 this year. Hey, you're the professional broadcaster. How do you pronounce the general manager of the Braves? Anathopoulos? Right, that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> He was at Toronto, and the guy's one of the best general managers, if not the best in the game. And I heard him talking about Joe Jimenez when he made the trade. And Tiger's got a prospect back who's he's got a chance, okay? But I, but I have to say, you know, he, he talked about Joe's, uh, you know, the fastball, you know, getting him in there. But the one thing about Joe, every time he had a lead and A.J. Hinch put him out there, he couldn't hold it. And when the Tigers were lousy last year, he, he pitched all his innings, when he they were be you know way behind and he put up great numbers. Joey Menez, that trade was a great trade. 
for those of us who watched it. Now, when I'm listening to the Braves GM, he knows that too, and they're going to try to make it better. But I have to say, uh, to me, that was an astute view, mm-hmm. you know, to get a position player who has a chance to be your third baseman, okay, with a hit tool that's good. And I watch that prospect. Uh, he uh, has a quick bat. Uh, he can turn on a ball. And uh, he did make decent contact. He does have a chance. Now, he's not the best athlete. Uh, and I, I've gone back and looked at this speed-wise and everything. He's not the best athlete. But he can hit. And if he can play third base at just a decent level, Tigers may have something there. And uh, that was a good trade, I thought, just based on the process of it. Right. So, I, I, you know, I've seen little things that Scott Harris is doing that I like. Plus, Dan, the fact they got him, I didn't have that high of expectations. I, I'm, I'm still in amazement the Tigers were able to get Scott Harris. You know, but it tells you that, you know, Chris Illich has done this before, and I know a lot of people in town like to just blast him, but he did bring back Geiserman. All right, he did bring in A.J. Hinch. And, you know, to go out and get somebody like this who is blocked from being the top guy in in, in San Francisco and having him come over here and be that with the background he has, that was a really good get. It was. So, uh, you know, I, there's more things about what's going on with the Tigers that I like than dislike in the offseason, despite the angst about, hey, well, I haven't signed uh I come straight for Fernando Tatis. They didn't even appear to be in on Aaron Judge. What's up? <laughs> but think also of the GM meetings and, I mean, all the work that does go on there, even though we haven't seen a lot of moves. There was a lot of work that went into Absolutely. the Joey Menez trade. Just that trade. That's a relatively minor deal. But a lot of work Could went into that. Big deal, to, right. To get Justin Henry Malloy and Higginbotham as well. Those were that was a that took a lot of work. In other words, there was also this guy. I guarantee was on the phone twenty four seven while he was at those meetings, laying the groundwork for either other trades or perhaps a signing after the new year. I'm sure he called every agent about free agents, but the market was just too hot. But this is also where the groundwork gets laid for trades down the road. What is the market for Gregory Soto? That's something he had to find out. I I have no feel for that. You can brag all about. What is he? Thirty for thirty-three, or I mean, the and, and save. Well, the way the way things save percentage going. has been very high the last two years. I, I, the number's not top of my head. Yeah, Sixty-six he for seventy, me, whatever he it is. He hasn't been the uh, clutch. Um, I'm not sure he's that highly regarded. Around. He was much more hittable this year, but you've got him for three more years. He's a lefty who throws almost a hundred consistently in the upper nineties. If he rediscovers a slider, he could be a wipeout guy. Right. I would think you could get something decent for Gregory Soto on the trade market. But that's going to be something that's going to take some time. Might be a trade deadline thing if somebody needs something rather than doing it at the winter meetings just to do it. Right. You know, I, I don't know what the market is. I still think is. we're going to see some trades made in the next couple of months before spring training. Uh, we got some open lines, 248 Love to talk to fans about Yeah, this. you know, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm not trying to be, like, overly optimistic about it. You know me, man. I'll tell you exactly what I think. I don't care. You know, uh, I'm the radio station guy here. You've changed since I was last year. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, I, I was like, Dan, what do you what do you think of uh, Spencer or Turner? I cannot talk about him. Well, he actually wasn't on the forty man. We talked all about him, but no, it's great to be here talking about. It. I know a lot of you love baseball, and I'm Dan and I. It's a labor of love for us. We always look forward to this show, and uh, we'd love to hear from you two four eight five three nine ninety seven ninety seven. Yes, 
Tiger Talk here on 97.1 The Ticket. 97.1 The Ticket. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And the Tigers have tied it at four here in the seventh. Uh, you can hear Dan Dickerson throughout the baseball season, starting in spring training, but you get to pretty much go everywhere this year with the new schedule. What do you think about that? Was not for it when it first came out. I did not like the idea of going from 20 to 46 games in interleague play. The more I think about it, the more I talk to people. A lot of people really like the idea. Um, so I guess I'm slowly coming on board. You know why I like it is because uh, one of the reasons I didn't, one of the things that always has dawned on me that, that ever since we were a lot younger and we're even before we got in the business, you had certain teams that would come in a couple times a year, and it was always a big deal. Yankees, Red Sox, you know, the traditional teams, kind of the originals, so to speak. But you know what? They come in one time a year now anyway, and they come in sometimes, and I feel bad for the Tigers when it's like this. The Yankees are showing up in April, and it's like 40 degrees, and it's, you know, some of the first night games, and you know, it's not like it's happening in July when everybody's going to the ball game. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that part of it I didn't like. So might as well bring in everybody and you know, yeah. see what's going on because they're only coming in one time a year and you never know when it's going to be anyway. I, you know, I don't want to see the Royals every game. I did think you had to cut down on the on the games within your division. And that's gone from 76 to, what is it, 52, have I believe. You ever, have you ever called a game with the Tigers versus the, uh, Cleveland? <laughs> How many of those games? How many times have you been to that stadium in Kansas what was, City? What was that stretch? I think it's embedded in my brain. Seven and thirty-seven against the the Guardians over a stretch of a few years. It got a little ugly there. Yeah. yeah so I think that's a good thing. I guess I just wanted more more series against American League teams. Yeah. And that includes not just the Yankees and Red Sox, but Oakland A's and Seattle Mariners. But so I'm getting used to the idea. It's 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 a first. It, it is going to change things a little bit. I really believe that. I mean, instead of 76 games, almost half your games in your division, that drops to a third of your games. Well, it seems to be. That's a big change. It'll favor the, for example, the East, it would, in theory, you know, to get all their teams into the postseason. I've seen more than a few predictions saying that the winner of the Central will be below 500 this year. Well, the, the, you know, that will know. not happen. Well, Cleveland. That will not happen. Cleveland. Francona won't let that happen. No, he won't. He won't. He's just <laughs> something about that team. They Didn't they have an amazing year? Oh, they they had an amazing utter, year. Utterly amazing. Utterly amazing. Is right. You know, they're the only team that loses players, and it's like, well, they really didn't gain anybody, but they win more games. You know, all of a sudden you look out there, wow, that straw guy is pretty good. You know, or something. It's like he really isn't, but he is. Oh, wait, defensively he was. Oh, yeah, he's fast. Yeah, that was that was a heck of a team. I was impressed. Yeah. Uh, Keith, you're on Tiger Talk. What's up, buddy? Hey, hey, Pat and Dan, how you guys doing? Good. How are you, Keith? Good, good. I, I just, um, I guess I have a comment. And uh, when I was watching the broadcast last year, it was a little bit after Alameda was let go, and it was the TV broadcast, and Jack Morris made a comment that he thought 
little bit, maybe a year or two, he didn't know how long that he thought the Tigers overvaluated their talent. Um, and just hearing that from him, um, kind of like. Um, hey, can you do us a favor, Keith? Um, just lift your uh, phone up over to where it's direct, you're talking directly into it. That's all from your. Okay. Can you hear me better? Yeah, a lot yeah. better. Appreciate it. Okay. So, yeah, so he made that comment that they overvaluated the talent. For a while, and coming from him, I thought that was kind of strong. And with that comment, I know you guys, with the new shift, do you think guys like uh, Jay McCandler and guys that pull the ball a lot, would they make more contact because they with the same percentage of uh, 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 Miss Swing? Well, I think that's a great, that's a great yeah. that's a great question, Keith. And 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 Dan, the the effect on the shift and how the Tigers may put their lineup together and have they overestimated their talent? I go to the first part. Have they overestimated their talent? Or the last part, have they overestimated their talent? I would say no, and that's why I think Scott Harris has made it very clear. We're going to carve out time for these, the young players in this organization. He said you're going to build with young players, add the key veterans later. You need to bring more young players in. That's why I traded for Justin Henry Malloy. All I can say is that the Tigers, when you talk about Mize Manning Scooble, Torkelson Green, those are all, would you agree, by national consensus, top 25 prospects. Several were top five prospects. Yeah. Green and Torkelson consensus, top five prospects. So, no, I don't think they overvaluated or overestimated the value because across the industry, people said these guys are top five prospects in all of baseball. I still think we're seeing, think of how different this winter is going to be. Major League Baseball did not help the Tigers or themselves or the sport in any way with that 100-day lockout where you could not communicate with your players for 100 days last winter. Think how that changes this winter. Now you've got new, three new hitting coaches. I guarantee you, Michael Badara is out there talking with some of these players right now and probably having nice sessions with Spencer Torkelson <laughs> about how, some of the things that he has seen or, or thought about. That constant communication between pitching coach and pitcher, between hitting coach and hitter, over the course of the winter is going to be extreme. It was missed last winter, and I think it's going to be a valuable part of getting these guys better because you have to find out about these guys. You have to find out Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson. One of those two needs to be a middle-of-the-order bat for the foreseeable future, and hopefully both are. Well, uh, here's uh, you know uh, the way I look at it. People say, where's their offense going to come from? And uh, as somebody who uh, literally – this is true. This is the truth. Watch every at-bat that those guys had in 2021. Uh, On their uh, way to the major leagues. I uh, Yeah. Uh, if somebody told me that uh, they would get as many bats as they had in the major leagues and combine for what, 13 home runs? I, I said, man, go get your head examined. Because by osmosis, those two kids could hit home runs. And I don't care if they're playing at Comerica Park. You saw Riley Green hit some bombs, but he only hit five. He's got way more power than that on a consistent basis, and he's a potential star. And then uh, the Torkelson, you know, people gave me, and I don't want credit for this. All right, I told him, hey, man, I've never seen the guy hit a fastball out, you know, that's 93-plus, and it's going to be cold at the start of the year, so, you know, hold, you know, hold your horses here. He's never played in cold weather. I didn't expect him to hit like that or not hit like that. Mm-hmm. He's too good an athlete. And he's got way too much power, and obviously he works hard. Uh, so I'm sitting there looking at this, but the, you know, a couple of things. Look at the data. 
exit velocity, things like that. Those kids were up there. Uh, yeah, Riley Green, forget about his jumping at everything. You know, not the ones at the wall. I'm talking about where he dives and everything. He dives too much. All right, but he, some of those catches are great catches, legitimately, and he gets a good jump. The jump rate is in the top twenty-five percent. They are immensely talented. And say, where's the offense going to come from? Those two guys could easily combine for fifty home runs this year, and I don't think that's crazy. And Kerry Carpenter, and I, I get it, man. You know, this guy came out of nowhere, but you know, when I knew that they should call him up, and I, I said this, I, you know, I came on here, I put it up on Twitter. What's the kid that was traded uh, from the Cub to the Cubs? Uh, shortly before that, he threw a 96-mile-an-hour fastball. It's a W and ends in an SKI. I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he's a top prospect. He lines one into left field off this kid, 96-mile-an-hour fastball, about 400 feet, and I'm like, you've got to get him up here. It's not a fluke he hit all those home runs. you know. And so you got to find a way to get that bat in there. Don't, don't you see the, the Kyle Schwarber can't feel for crap? They put him out there. And he was better than advertised defensively. Yeah. You know, and he's, he's not that bad an athlete. Like, you know, like, nope. if, you know, he can't make a free throw if you put him on a basketball court or something. Uh, you know, so uh, I figure if they DH him or play him a little bit, they get, you know, some home runs off. They only hit the, hardly any home runs, but those two, those three kids are all capable of hitting a lot of home runs. And they're going to get a chance to do it. Scott Harrison made a point of we want a guy, we want a group of guys who want to come together as a team who like each other, like playing with each other, and have an insatiable desire to win. Those four, you include Ryan Kreidler in there with Carpenter, Torkelson, and Green. They they have all played together. They were very excited to be in the lineup when they first were in the lineup. I think it was a game in September, might have been late August, but there was they were fired up about it. Well, I can I think tell Scott you this Harris about wants to see. What happens when those four maybe get a chance to play together on a regular basis? I'll tell you this about Kreidler. I, look, man, I don't know if he can hit right-handed pitching. That's the knock. You know, I mean, I, if you look at his splits, and I've watched it, but he hits lefties. So uh, that's one thing. And I know he can't be any worse than Jamer Candelario last year because that was, that was unbelievable. You're telling me Scope, who's a professional hitter, he's only in his 30s, is not going to hit better this year, right? Or that Javier Baez is going to, you know, keep swinging at pitches that are six. Well, maybe he might. I don't know. <laughs> but you know, I mean, come on, man. You know, and they throw the ball into the dirt. What happened with that? You know, like play after play, he's a better ball player than that, and he's prideful. He's not some jerk or something. You know, so you, they've got. They're going to be better based on you know, just. If and they I, just pull it together. I like how Scott Harris handled Javi Baez. He's like, he knows he has to get better defensively. He knows he has to get to work. Well, didn't you? Weren't you? I but he, he wants to be that guy that he was in 2019 when a, he was off a, the charts defensively. I think people think he's some kind of loose wire or something, but he's a no. ball player, but he comes up the, he's come up the right way in, in things. He's just a mercurial player who goes up and down like a yo-yo. And he, part of the reason I think he's swinging at those pitches is that he wanted to do well. Right, and he'd done a lot of damage on sliders in 2021, and maybe that was the worst thing that could have happened because he kept feeling like he could still do that damage, and it took a long time. He's a, he he did. can't tell me that. How many times? I've seen Javi Baez play a zillion times, you know, on my iPad, and seen hey, him he live makes plays he, that nobody else makes. Yeah, but you got to make the consistent real and that's play. That's what they're working he, on. He, but you know, he was a, he's still a 2.4 board player. He, he still had the best WAR on the team, and he was awful by his standards. So, I. I don't think they're. I think they're on the right track by not just going out and getting some slugger and paying them a hundred million dollars. 
So, but again, I'm not big on free agent contracts and thinking well, and, that solves and, and the really, issue. Really, this was not the you're right. One big free agent signing this winter was not going to solve the ills of an offense that has been this bad for this long. And these are and that the guys, was a historically bad offense they had. And Akil Badu and some of these other guys, they're the key to it. And if you don't, man, you got to cycle through and, and find out who can you play. You got to find out. You absolutely have to find out. You know. Scott Harris has made it very clear. We're going to get these guys planned, carve out playing time for these guys at bats and innings. We'll talk to uh, Michael Lorenzen, uh, Tigers pitcher, free agent pitcher, uh, came over from the Angels. We'll talk to him at 745. Till then, we got time to take a call or two. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Dan and I start talking and all this stuff about baseball. We'd love to hear what you think about it. This is Tiger Talk, a 97 won the ticket. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 3-2, swinging a fly ball, left field, way back in left, and gone! Spencer Charkelson with his second home run of the day, number eight. That's Tigers right. close to within one, 7-6. Spencer Charkelson had a two-homer day right well, at the end of the year. He did a little better at the end of the year. He did. You know? He did. So, and that's when the new GM was watching. <laughs> right, he went down. He, you know, he worked. They played some of their best ball after Scott Harris got hired. <laughs> they did. They started to win games. You know, that team won six games in a row, and they, uh, they were within eight <laughs> games of the wild or the uh, division lead or wild card lead, and nine and a half behind the Twins, who faded at the end. And I thought they were making some progress, and then they went out and went to New York or something, lost thirteen to nothing, and lost twelve out of fourteen. And uh, it's up to A.J. Hinch to get him to play. I know you love A.J. Hinch, you know, and because uh, we've talked about it. You love his preparation and uh, all those things. And when I brought up, I said, you know, A.J. Hinch didn't have a good year last year either. I think he's a great manager and all that. You said, but he prepares his team and he does this and that. And I was like, man, Dan, it's nothing personal. <laughs> I think he would tell you he had a bad year. Um, I, know. I think bad is – that's a little strong. Well, I think I think he, I think he feels like, hey, we he he didn't shy away from it either. He's like, we got to be better. I have to be better. I don't think there's any question he feels that way. And that's why changes were made in the coaching staff, and I think there's going to be some changes made on how they go about their day to day business next year. But what I liked about the Harris hiring is he has the same basic background in the game, different way, but as Hinge, they're both very experienced and have worked with great people and been part of success, but they weren't combined together. And I think that A.J. Hinch needed that, like everybody else, you know, to look at what he was doing. Because I don't know what happened there. That one play where Scooble turned his, you know, back to the field and the whole team turned his back to the field and, and the guy ran from first to second. Do you remember that play? And there's so many plays that sound similar. That, but, but, uh, you know, I threw, <laughs> threw, my, I threw my shoe at the TV. <laughs> You know, I was so I was like, come on, you know, you got to have your head in the game. And, uh, you know, we, we talked about Javi, but he's too good a player for that. And uh, I think Javi was a puzzle that he really had to solve this year. Yeah. It took him a while to figure out. So he wants to figure out what makes a guy tick. And I think it took him a while. They got to get these dudes to play. 
So, and I love, you know, Federer as a pitching coach. I talked about it a lot, but they've had a lot of arm injuries, you know, which has become systemic. You know, when you're talking about every pitcher you have gets hurt, and some of that was fluky, like Michael Pineda's out there and a line drive hits him right. in a pinky or whatever. But you Alex Faedo, it was his hip. I mean, there were some non-arm injuries. Well, at, at some baseball point, didn't help by having a 21 day or 24 day spring training. But I don't. I think that was that a problem. Help. But the Tigers had more problems than other teams, you know, with that. And uh, I don't know. They they got to be patient. Wait out those, uh, you know, Tommy John surgeries. The situation with Scooble. Uh, but I think they're going to be okay. But I'll, I'll say this: I do expect Alex Lang to have a big year. That was special. This stuff. And uh, they've got some uh, pitching in their system. You know, Wilmer Flores, what he's been doing, you know, it's, it's under the radar. Uh, you know, I saw the Baseball America prospects. He was ranked third. Uh, he's pretty good, you know. I mean, and, and the other th- I thought Ty Madden really took a step forward last year. You know, they changed his motion, have him throwing three quarters. And it keeps his fastball up through the zone. They don't want that slant anymore, as you know. And uh, he made that adjustment, and I think he's going to come on, you know, fairly quickly. Uh, so they have a few pitching prospects that at some point this year are going to develop for them and come up and uh, I think perhaps, you know, present a pleasant surprise. And the key isn't getting guys. It's getting the most out of the guys that they have because there isn't a team in baseball that wouldn't take Spencer uh, Torkelson off the Tigers' hands. Right. I can promise you that. Yeah, I think the league still looks at him as a, a future hitter, period. And I think the Tigers could get a few players if they said, well, Riley Green's available with club control for six years, <laughs> you know, or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, you know, they have to get those guys to play. And that, you know, and sometimes, you know, baseball managers, you know, no way you have a war for a manager. You know, Bill James, I've read his book about managers like three times. He doesn't quantify anything in that. And it's hard to, you know, to. It is hard to quantify. It is impossible. But the point that he made in that book was you can't tell me that a guy who's making hundreds of decisions every single day isn't having an impact on his team. It's very hard to quantify, but he made the point. There's no question a good manager has a big impact on his team. And, you know, I saw it was, uh, you know, Sparky. In the last 10 years I was on the beats, there was, or last 10 years Sparky was manager, I was on the beat. Then I saw a big drop off, as good a baseball man as Buddy Bell was, and some of the other managers that came after that, like Tram. You know, these are solid baseball guys. Uh, Louis Pujols, others. Uh, but, you know, when Leland came in, it was like, oh, you're back to Sparky. Because immediately, and you know this, man, he put that clubhouse in order, and that team was way different, way different. And it, it was unbelievable. But I, how do I quantify that? Well, Jim would tell you, well, I had Verlander. I had Zamaya and Tram Dinton and all that. Yeah, but, you know, all of a sudden, Pudge got into the line. Maglio did what he had to do. He used Polanco, right? I saw him stand right up to Pudge. It was unbelievable, honestly. He made him play second base. Do you remember that? No. Started hitting him three. At Fenway Park, when Polanco got hurt, he put him at second base as a defensive player. I, I know they had an early run in. Oh, yeah. He set oh, the tone. Yeah. And then Dimitri uh, Young was out the door. And then he handled Delman well. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things. But this this is where I think A.J. shines. I mean, he I think Jim Leland tried to connect with each one of his players every single day, even if it was that a was quick a hello. And I think A.J. Hinch does the same thing. And I think he just had a tough time 
reaching some of the players this year in terms of the way that he's normally accustomed to either connecting or getting the most out of them. Yeah. I, I don't. I think he's one of the very best at that. I think, and the preparation, like I said, is off the charts. Yeah, I, I don't know how he evaluates his own year. I know he put a lot on himself, but that offense, <laughs> that was a problem. And I'm not sure how much you can put on the manager on that. Yeah. Well, it's always interesting to me and uh, always a different – but uh, let me make this clear. I think he's a great manager. You know that. I've talked about it a lot. And I don't know where that plays into it and what the dynamic of that. And their coaching staff, they've changed some coaching staff. There is nobody better at managing a bullpen, but managing a bullpen to me is putting guys in the places to succeed. Picking out before every series, you've got this part of the lineup. When this guy's up in the seventh inning, you're coming in to handle that part of the lineup. And the way he matches his guys up, it's not just righty-lefty. It's not just righty-on-righty, lefty-on-lefty. It's swing styles, pitching styles. What pitcher is going to get this guy out based on the stuff that he has and where he works the strike zone with that stuff? I've never seen anybody better. And that's why I don't think they need to make any big major additions to the bullpen. I think they can even trade away Gregory Soto and still have a top-five bullpen next year. And I'll say this, the A.J. Hinch show, I love that show. You know, compared to the other manager shows, uh, and nothing against the other managers, including Jim, who sometimes would have some spirited discussions after a loss. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the A.J. Hinch show is a really, really good show you should listen to here on 97 won the ticket before every game because he does a terrific job of explaining things to you, the fans. Always a, a, an additional layer or two or three beyond the question that I'm asking. No, Which is why I love doing that show. No, I love that. The A.J. Hint Show. I've even got down the impersonation. You know, it's must-listen <laughs> for me. But anyway, coming up next, we'll talk to uh, new Tigers pitcher, uh, Michael Lorenzen. This is Tiger Talk at 97 won the ticket. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tiger Talk. Here's Pat Caputo and Dan Dickerson. The one-two is swinging a fly ball right field. This one's deep. This one's got a chance. Gone. Cody Clemens Grand Slam. How about it? Tigers take a five-four lead in the fifth. There you go. It's Dan Dickerson uh, on the uh, Tigers radio network, and that was terrific. Cody Clemens, Grand Slam, and he struck out uh, Shoney Otani. Shoney Otani is so good. That was the funniest. Shoney Otani handled that with such class. It was. It really was. That was the best. Uh, it, was, it was so funny. I mean, you know, I, I hate the position <laughs> players p- pitching, but that was the, uh, the one rare exception of uh, something that was terrific. But – Here's a guy who should help the Tigers in that regard. Who knows a little bit about Shohei. Yeah, he played with them (laughs) last year, and he was there. He saw that moment. Uh, That's uh, Michael Lorenzen, who was signed by the Tigers as a free agent. Michael, how you doing, and uh, welcome to Detroit. I'm doing good. Uh, Appreciate it. I'm excited to to be a part of this organization and, and get things going. 
Did you watch? Uh, did you? You were injured for a part of the summer. I'm trying to remember if you were injured when uh, Cody Clemens struck out Shohei Otani. I was, but I got a I got a front row seat to it, so I remember <laughs> it um, pretty clearly. And yeah, I, I remember him making sure that he kept that ball. And I think Shohei might have signed it for him. He did. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I do remember that. And uh, thankfully, because Cody wore 21 and. That was a number that I wore in Cincinnati for seven years, and he was able to uh, make a trade and, and give me that number. So I'm I'm uh, starting off on the right foot with Cody for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Well, before we talk about what got you to Detroit, can you just, I mean, as long as we're talking about Shohei Otani, who to me is one of the most remarkable players in the game, what was it like being his teammate? And you were going from the bullpen back to the rotation, first time since 2015 last year. You had a very successful year, especially the way you finished. What were some of the things that maybe you learned from him or that you two maybe shared with each other to make each other better? Yeah, he's spectacular. Um, <clears throat> he's the real deal. He's It's insane to, to watch what he does on a daily basis. And um, especially, man, on the mound, it's incredible. The swing and miss that he's able to generate is unlike anything I've ever seen before. And uh, honestly, just watching him and, and – Asking him a couple questions. I think that's why my slider got was way better at the end of the year, way more consistent because um, his slider is incredible. And so just picking his brain a little bit, watching what he does mechanically and kind of carrying that over into my game, um, I was able to develop another slider too. So I have two variations of a slider, and they're both really good. I had a lot of success with it. And it's like, man, it makes sense why Shohei – you know, get swing and miss. And then also like uh, just the pitch selection too, just watching the way he, he uh, strategizes for each hitter and makes um, in-game adjustments uh, to guys. He's, he's really smart out there. He knows what he's doing. And so just seeing the way he pitches and, and, and picking which pitch to throw in which situation and picking his brain as to why, you know, he went that direction. I, it carried into my game as well. And, uh, made me better for sure. No, I love hearing that. I always love hearing the the byplay and the interplay between between pitchers and and any really teammates to to make each other better. That's pretty neat. You know, uh, Michael, you, there've been you've had good success in the major leagues. Obviously, you've uh, pitched to this point and have had a long career. But I kind of get the sense that you haven't had your best year yet. You know that it, you know last year was kind of teetering on that. Now you're in the rotation and everything. But you look at your spin rate, it's a kind of an elite level. You throw hard. You mentioned your slider. You miss bats at times at a high rate. Uh, Scott Harris talked about what a good athlete you are, which uh, you know suggests repeatability of delivery. Do you feel like you're on the cusp of maybe having that big year that uh, you kind of teetered on at times? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's crazy. I'm, I'm going into my ninth season, and I still feel like I'm just scratching the surface. And I think a lot of it, too, is – I didn't pitch in high school. I didn't pitch in college other than just coming in to close close out games where I had a really good arm. So I would just come in and from center field and pick my leg up as high as I could and throw the ball as hard as I could. And <laughs> I had success. I didn't throw any bullpen. So, and then two years later, I'm starting games in the big leagues. So I think, you know, just learning what it means to, to start learning, going through different phases of like, okay, your stuff's got to be good and like, sequencing pitches, but then also reading hitters and game planning for hitters. I think, you know, a lot of it at the end of the year, when I came back, I got to reflect on the first part of my season and, and make some adjustments and say, okay, this is what I like, this is what I didn't like. 
And I also, like I said, playing with Shohei, a lot of it came down to pitch selection. And I think my swing and miss wasn't, I've always thought that I had really good stuff. My swing and miss didn't show that I had good stuff. It didn't uh, match my stuff. And so it really just came down to pitch selection and throwing the right pitch at the right time. And um, that was the biggest adjustment I made when I came back and I saw my swing and miss numbers go through the roof. And it was like, wow, okay, I think um, the learning curve was was steep, but I think I'm catching up. Yeah, we got to <laughs> mention Cal State Fullerton. You know, we're your manager Absolutely. at the end of last year, Phil Nevin went to, by the way. There you go. Yep, yep. Golden Spikes Award winners, Cal State Fullerton. Um, I grew up in Southern California, and being able to go to Cal State Fullerton and play, then play for the Angels later on was awesome. But um, I'm wearing uh, orange and blue again, so I'm excited to do it. And you like to, you still like to hit, don't you? I mean, for a while there, you were being used as a pinch hitter. I remember, what was it, four home runs in 2018? I mean, you still like to hit. Do you think you get any opportunities here? Yeah, so, I, I right when I agreed, I sent. Uh, Scott Harris a text and said, do I bring my bats to spring training? <laughs> the <laughs> so, answer? <laughs> uh, as long as I don't get hurt. Uh, so that's, we'll see. I, it's so funny, man, because I made some, even though I didn't hit last year, I made, made a couple adjustments to my swing in the cage. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm ready to bring it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other benefit of playing with Otani. You know? All right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Scott Harris has made a big point of saying we want this to be an organization where players, young players coming up, players from outside the organization want to come because they know that we're dedicated to making them better players. You said the Tigers and Scott Harris went after you really very aggressively this offseason. Can you just describe from a player standpoint what that means and how attractive that is to have that kind of a sales pitch? Yeah, I mean, it's super attractive when you have um, someone like Scott Harris as invested as he is and he's willing to do everything that he can to um, make the organization organization work. Guys, like you said, guys want to go to and guys want to guys sign there. You know, it's a big ballpark. I know they talk about maybe bringing in the fences. Hopefully they don't, they don't do it this year. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's, it's – he, he's making the right changes um, and – too like it talking is is great but it's whether or not you know you, you have a staff that players look at as people who can execute on on what you're saying and i think the coaching staff that he has um you know they're all they're all up to speed they're up to date um there's a perfect blend of of you know the perfect marriage of old school with with the numbers and i think that they're all very proactive and, and open minded and i think that's what that's what we look for as players who are trying to get better and better each and every day. Um, we want to be able to more more so be a collab, but have some direction um, and and just get better each and every day. And that's how you stay successful. And if if you have players that see a coaching staff that will support that, um, and you know, first class organization, then they're they're going to be willing to go there. Well, it's a great traditional baseball town here in the Detroit area. You're going to think you're going to like it. You played in Cincinnati. You understand what opening day is like. It's <laughs> big here, too. And, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you know, everybody looks forward to it in the baseball season. And uh, wish you the best of luck and look forward to uh, watching you pitch for the Tigers. 
I appreciate that. Yeah, when I went for my physical I, and everything, I, I stayed for a couple of days to go look for housing, and I, me and the wife, we really enjoyed it. So we're excited for the season to start. Good. And Yeah, I'm ready to get, get out to Detroit and get this thing going. Yeah, let's get it started. Look forward to seeing you down in Florida, Michael. Best of luck awesome. to you, Michael. Take care. That was uh, Michael Lorenzen, the new Tiger pitcher. That was a good story That's, about him hitting that. I know. I love it. And, and Shohei Otani. I mean, think about that. You imagine, Two different types of sliders because he watched Shohei Otani. You imagine somebody, man, yeah, I was his teammate. <laughs> <laughs> What's he like? Awesome. Yeah, awesome, yeah. <laughs> well, the guy is, I mean, you got to admit, man, that's a first-class act, Shoni Otani. Unbelievable. Any, any, anything, he, yeah, I mean, he's just And just an amazement every time I watch him and see what he did last night. Yeah, it's just incredible. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Dan and Jordan will be on next week as well. And we'll have a lot of different guests throughout the season. Once a week, different days, but keep an eye on us. We're going to jump around a little bit, but once a week from now through spring training. Yeah, we'll post it up there on Twitter and all those different things. The Tigers will do it as well. And uh, good. It's great to talk some baseball. It is. It is. Speaking of that, man, coming up next, I'll talk some Pistons. And Pistons Weekly. That's right. That'll be coming up next. This is 97-1 The Ticket. Seven, one.